Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 148 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as always by my partner in crime, Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. Let's dive straight into the review part of the show. I don't think um, this week's show is going to be much of a long one, to be honest. Not too much to review, but like I say, let's waste no time. We're going to start at the Belasco Theatre in Los Angeles, California. Of course, USA. One fight to mention on this bill, Hector Tanahara. He remained undefeated and moved to 15-0. and A unanimous decision over eight rounds against Emmanuel Morales, who's now 7-3. and Like I say, a UD there over eight rounds. Um, for Hector Tanahara. Moving out now to Finland at the Opera Stage. Nice venue there. Um, one one real fight to mention over here. Robert Hellanius picked up win number 27. He's got two losses also. It was a unanimous decision over six rounds against Yuri Bikatsu, who I believe they had a fight before and it was pretty close or something like that. There might have been a little bit of controversy attached to it. Well, anyway... Um, you know, this guy now has a record of 10 and 17 with three draws, so not a great record. I'm not quite sure why Robert Hellanius is even fighting people like this, but it is what it is. It was a bit of a homecoming for him in Finland. Moving over now to the Celebrity Theatre in Phoenix, Arizona, USA. This was bizarre. Um, Trevor Bryan, 19 and 0. We didn't know too much about this guy at all. Um, he was going to be taking on BJ Flores, who was last seen getting dropped many, many times against Tony Bellew. David Hay was sat ringside. It was before the beef with, um, you know, between between um, Bellew and Hay. And that was a long time ago now. But anyway, BJ Flores, 34-3 and three with one draw. We knew that the winner of this fight would actually become mandatory to take on the winner of um, Fraser Quendo and Manuel Char, which was unbelievable that the winner would end up with a proper world title. Well... At the last minute, the WBA actually decided to put a belt on the line for this fight here. Trevor Bryan, like I say, relatively unknown. BJ Flores, not even a proper, proper heavyweight. And it was for the interim WBA world heavyweight title. Unbelievable from the WBA. So the winner of this fight ended up being Trevor Bryan, who's now 20-0. One thing is, he actually had Flores down six times in the fight. It was a TKO in round four. Flores was down three times in the third round and three times in the fourth round. I didn't see the fight at all, but um, I guess on paper, even though BJ Flores isn't a fantastic fighter, it's quite a big win to drop him six times, and he's now 20-0. and 0. He's the interim WBA world heavyweight champion, Trevor Bryan. So that's a name to remember. Perhaps he'll be, um, you know, hopefully stepping up against people that we actually want to see him fight. Um, I'm not really too bothered about him fighting the winner of Manuel Char and Fresa Quenda, but hopefully he fights someone of note soon. Um, unbelievable, really, from the celebrity theatre there. Moving over now to the final bill to review. Like I say, not too much from last weekend. Um, we have um, Jesus Rojas. He was the WBA World Featherweight Champion. He actually, well... Crazily, I was about to say he lost his title, but I'm going to tell you about this. His record was 26-1 and with two draws. He took on Joseph Diaz, who in his last fight lost um, on points to Gary Russell Jr. for the WBC title a few months ago now. I think it might have been April, something like that. Joseph Diaz, 26-1 and when he jumped in the ring. He's now 27-1. and Unfortunately for him, he was overweight and he was unable to win the title, but he did end up winning the fight unanimously over 12 rounds. And due to the WBA rules, Rojas actually keeps the world title despite losing the fight. So his record now 26-2 and with two draws, but it's not the end of the world. He's still got a trinket at featherweight. And Joseph Diaz, it looks like he'll perhaps be moving up in weight. It's a real shame for him. Not many people... Um, uh, you know, are lucky enough to get two world title shots in a row. 
especially if you lose the first one the way he did. Um, you know, he pretty much lost everything in that fight against Gary Russell Jr. And then he jumped straight back in um, just a matter of months later. I mean, he's been very, very fortunate. Um, many people in their careers, they dream of fighting for a world title. But to get two on the bounce, I don't think he's going to get three on the bounce. Who does he think he is? Austin Trout. <laughs> but yeah, that's really it for the reviewing. Um, Joseph Diaz, it's a shame that he... You know, he didn't come in just a little bit lighter. Maybe he'll be moving up to Super Feather. We'll have to wait and see. But he would be a world champion. But unfortunately for him, it's not to be. But like I say, that's it for the reviewing. Just before we wrap up part one, the last thing to do is to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former IBF super middleweight world champion, Mr. Caleb Truax. Caleb, welcome back on the show, my friend. Great to be back, man. Uh, it's great to have you back, it truly is. So, Caleb, of course, we last spoke in the build-up to the second James DeGale fight. That fight, in my opinion, was a lot closer than the first one. However, of course, this time you were on the losing end of the decision. Talk us through that fight if you can, Caleb. I didn't have uh, my best night the second time around. I don't know what uh, what the problem was. My training camp went, went uh, fantastic. It was like the longest, most uh, comprehensive training camp I've ever had. Uh, I don't think I was overtrained. I think we did it uh, exactly right. I just didn't have my best night in the ring. That besides the, the point, I still thought I should have won. Uh, I thought I did enough to win. I didn't think he did much at all. He, he uh, did a lot of dirty stuff, holding and headbutting and grinding his glove into my face and elbowing. You know, I'm not going to sit here and dwell on it. Uh, I moved on. and uh, It is what it is, man. Yeah, um, one thing I will say on a, on a positive thing, a, a good way to look at it is, of course, you shared 24 rounds together and you certainly, certainly won the majority of those. If you look at the whole 24, 100%, no one can argue with that one. Um, you, you talk about there, you know, it just didn't all come together on the night for you. In your opinion, was it a better James DeGale that showed up in Las Vegas or did you simply underperform or was it a little bit of both? You know, I don't think he was too much better. I think he made some good adjustments um, as far as uh, tactics go. Um, I don't think he was too much better than he was uh, the first time around. He may have used his jab a little bit more, but it wasn't crazy noticeable how, how he had improved over uh, the first fight uh, to the second fight. Uh, he just made some good uh, strategy uh, changes, and uh, he was in good shape. And, and uh, like I said, I didn't have uh, my best night. It just uh, didn't work out for me. Yeah, very, very true. Very well said. Um, moving on to the more positive things, though. Let's not dwell too much on that. You're fighting at the uh, at the 24th, or on the 24th of this month, I should say, against Fabiano Pena, a man that isn't a terrible fighter, but every time he's fought, you know, somebody of note, he's come up short. Is this really just a kind of keep-busy fight for you at the moment, Caleb? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I wasn't going to uh, fight on the car. You know, we were kind of waiting on uh, to see what DeGale was going to do. We tried to get a third fight with him, and, and uh, that didn't work out. Um, and we were going to try to wait out the uh, if there was something big that was going to come up. And uh, just a couple weeks before the press conference for this fight on the 24th, they asked me if I wanted to be on it just to, to stay busy because it's in my hometown. You know, I'm a, a big ticket seller in my hometown, so I'll add to the card. And uh, I figured, why not? You know, it's... Uh, the sport where if you're uh, going to sit around on the sidelines and, and do nothing, uh, you're not getting any better. You're not staying sharp. So I want to do uh, just keep fighting, man. I love fighting. I want to uh, go out there and, and uh, be as sharp as I possibly can be uh, when I do get a big opportunity. And I don't think I could do that if I if I sit and wait for another four months to, to fight or whatever, however long the distance be until I get a big fight again. So I just want to go out there and stay, uh, stay busy and, and uh, uh, more importantly, get in front of my hometown fans and give all my friends and family and fans a chance to uh, check me out. They haven't seen me too much lately. I've been in uh, London and uh, Las Vegas. And, uh, uh, nicer for them to travel 15 minutes instead of uh, eight hours on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Now, um, you know, this this guy, the guy that you're going to be fighting, Penner, he has a winning record, but, you know, he also has 10 losses. Nine of those losses came by knockout. Um, would you be disappointed if you were not able to stop this guy come the 24th? I mean, I, I'm never, I'm not the type of fighter that's ever looking for the knockout or anything like that. I don't go out there and try to bomb guys out right away. I just uh, try to feel them out and do what I do. But uh, that being said, I, I think I should stop this guy. Uh, and, I, and I probably will be disappointed if I don't. You know, I, I, I want to go out there and put on a good show in front of uh, my, my hometown fans. And uh, more importantly, I want to put on a good show and, and uh, uh, impress as far as uh, letting people know that I deserve another big fight. You know, and if I go out there and go 10 rounds with this guy where other people have stopped him, uh, 
doesn't uh, really shoot my name up in the rankings to, to get another big fight. So I want to go out there and get this guy out of there and uh, just move on to the next one. Now, you say there, Caleb, that you were kind of waiting on what James was going to be doing. You were looking at a potential third fight between you both. Um, what are your thoughts on him vacating the belt? Um, you know, it's kind of a, a catch-22, I guess uh, you could call it. Is um, I, I understand why he did, because he's, uh, I think he's towards the end of his career, and he's he's looking to make as much money as he can, and, and uh, you know, fighting Uskateki, uh he's not a very big name. He's not going to uh, uh, bring a lot of money to the equation, and he's also a dangerous fighter. You know, he's a, he's a good super middleweight champion, and uh, uh, it was a dangerous fight for, for James to not make that much money. So I understand why he would if he could get a bigger fight uh, with um, somebody over in London or even myself. You know, there's pretty good money on the table for, for him to fight me, and he turned that down as well, thinking he'd get more. But at the same time, that being said, giving up your belt, man, I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people, um, not just fans, but boxers as well, kind of a little bit confused. I mean, um, I spoke to Callum Smith on last week's show, and he said, I understand if he vacated it and then announced a big fight just after, but, you know, at this moment in time, we haven't seen anything from him. It's a very interesting situation in the IBF rankings, Caleb, obviously. Um, I'm hoping that you may be able to clear something up at least, but obviously Degal vacated the belt. Uzkatigi um, was was number one. He has now been elevated to the full champion. You were ranked at number two. You're still at number two, and if I'm not mistaken, the number one spot is actually vacant. Is that right? It's so confusing. Um, no, so I'm not. I'm not number two. Caleb Plant is number two. I, I believe I'm like number five or six or something like that. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was uh, confusing to me as well because um, normally uh, when a champion vacates like that, I, I don't think they normally elevate somebody. I think the number one and the number two guy have to fight for it. Is, is uh, what I always thought was the deal. But um, I don't know. It's uh, it's confusing. Uh, it's confusing to uh, explain, and, and I feel bad for fans because if it, <laughs> if the fighter who ranked in the system doesn't understand what's going on it's uh makes it even tougher for fans to uh to know what's going on it's tough to follow yeah my apologies there for for mixing you up with caleb plant you're uh you're number seven if i if i've got that correct in the ibf and also you're 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 gate crashing into the wbc rankings which is a great thing you are ranked number yeah, 10 yeah yeah so so big opportunities for you hopefully um you know, you, you, you've got a fantastic story of how you got into boxing, Caleb. Obviously, you know, we, we've heard about the, you know, the situation of having a little bit of a college debt and trying to kind of find a way of, of paying it off. I want to ask you what or at what point did you take up boxing, win a few fights and go, do you know what? I'm quite good at this boxing thing. Maybe I should stick to this and almost kind of, you know, put college to the side a little bit. Uh, well, I, I had finished. Uh, I had finished college um, at uh, before I turned pro. There was there was a, a time where I thought I was going to turn pro while I was still in college, but uh, I wanted to finish my my schooling before I concentrated on boxing. So I got that done out of the way. And uh, to answer your question, um, it took a while, man. I, I was just having fun and and uh, you know um, didn't know how far I was going to take it. And to be honest, like the first time I I really thought like, man, I'm you know I'm I'm pretty good at this. I can maybe I can make a career out of this. Make a good go out of it is after my first loss to Jermaine Taylor. Uh, you know, a lot of times people, uh, you know, they uh, get down on themselves after a loss. But uh, you know, I, I had no idea um, how good I was or, or how far I could go. And then I fought a guy that uh, who was the former unified champion and, and a guy that I played with on video games growing up. You know, and and uh, dropped him and almost knocked him out. And uh, afterwards, it gave me a ton of confidence. You know, like hey, maybe I'm uh, good at this. Maybe I can take this further than I ever expected. And and uh, it really motivated me to uh to work harder and just uh keep on keep on uh keep it on basically <laughs> now that is truly amazing man it, it really is now obviously we talk about you being ranked in the wbc rankings and also the ibf rankings um obviously you've got to take care of this fight here and who knows what's going to be happening in the future in the meantime but Obviously, you're looking at two men, really, in 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 the you know in the in the not so distant future, and those guys, I believe, would be David Benavidez and um and Uz Katagi that we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Which of those guys do you kind of see as having a style that you would be able to beat easier? 
Uh, well, neither one of them would be easy to uh, to beat. They're both good fighters, that's for sure. But uh, um, I don't know. It's it's kind of it's kind of uh, contrasting uh, styles where uh, Uskateki is is more of a veteran. He's been around longer. He's a little bit older. I think he's a little bit bigger puncher than than Benavides. But Benavides is also a smooth boxer, man. He can he can really box and and can bang as well. So um, both guys, you know, they they both uh, provide different challenges and and uh, they're both great fighters. But uh, I kind I'm confident I can figure out a plan, and my coach can figure out a plan to, to take care of either one of them. So uh, hopefully, I get a chance to uh, fight for that uh, WBC title against Benavides. That's been kind of thrown around a little bit for the future, and, and same with the Uskateki fight. Uh, because I think Caleb Plant got hurt. Uh, he was supposed to. He was ordered to fight him, and I think he got hurt. So he's uh, right now. He's kind of uh, in limbo as to who he's going to fight next. So that's been thrown around. Uh, Chavez Jr. That name's also been thrown around for a possible opponent uh, this fall or winter for me. Um, and even uh, even Rocky Fielding, you know, he, he won that WBC title on a uh, excuse me WBA title, the secondary title or whatever it is on the uh, pretty big upset against that Russian guy and, and uh, or German whatever he is, and uh, uh, that's kind of been uh, bounced around a little bit as well. So we'll see what uh, we'll see what shakes out. But like you said, man, I got to get past Fabiano Pena first. I'm uh, I'm concentrating on him. Like it's a world title fight. If I were to take him lightly and he beats me, then, then all them plans go out the window. So. Yeah, for sure. But it seems like there's going to be a, a real nice fight for you later on this year. Now, Caleb, you've achieved every boxer's dream. You you went on to win a world title. You did it on the road. You beat arguably the best fighter in the division at the time in James DeGaul. What is your new goal at this point? What is you, you know your next goal in boxing? Can what you did in London when I was sat there ringside, can that be topped? Honestly, I don't know if it can be or not, man. That was uh, uh, kind of like a crowning achievement in my career. And, and uh, I mean, there will always be a, a, a soft spot for that achievement in my heart, in my heart I know, because uh, it, it just meant so much to me as far as my career goes and as far as my family goes. It changed my life uh, financially and uh, opened up a lot of different opportunities for me um, for after boxing. But uh, right now, I, I think that the only goals I really have right now is to uh, kind of cement my legacy and, and uh, uh, provide for my my family as much as I can these next couple of years where um, I'm still going to be active and, and uh, I want to win back another title, whether it be the IBF or the WBC or the uh, WBA. That's kind of what I have my uh, sight set on now, just uh, becoming a two-time champion and, and uh, making a little money and getting out of the game while I'm still healthy and uh, sailing on to, uh, to uh, greener pastures. Now, I'm going to tell you something now, Caleb, this... Um something i'd probably usually tell you when we're off air but i'm going to just tell it you know i'm going to tell it to you and and the listeners can hear also it's uh i can't name any names here but this is actually something that happened i remember being there um you know in december of of, of last year when you came over now we was all sitting there before the fight all ringside all the journalists myself and the, you know various other guys and we're you know, we're waiting to see James get in the ring and win a fight against this guy that he's chosen that not too many people from the UK know. It's a homecoming. You know, he's, he's going to win this fight, no question. And the way that you beat this guy, I remember kind of being a little bit upset for James at the time because at that point I'd never interviewed you and, you know, I didn't know you too well. Obviously, a lot has changed since then. And yeah. you know, I wanted yeah. James to win that fight. So did everyone ringside. And when he lost, I remember kind of, being like wow what is James going to do now and we were all talking and I can't name any names but there's some top top journalists that have been in boxing for 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 what seems like centuries much much more known guys than me and I said what's James going to do now surely there's a rematch clause and I remember those guys saying there probably is a rematch clause but I don't think he's going to want to fight this guy again and that really was some some big words coming from these guys like the way that you dealt yeah, with James yeah. DeGaulle they did not think he'd even fancy fighting you again it was just such a brilliant performance that night I'm still still so proud of you but coming coming down to the last couple Thank of questions you, Caleb um, <laughs> Callum Smith versus George Groves the World Boxing Super Series final is happening in Saudi Arabia the less said about that the better but who wins the fight <laughs> Did they did they actually uh, schedule that now? I, I've been waiting for a while yes. to. Uh, yeah. When when is it taking place? Twenty eighth of September. It's a Friday. Oh, uh, why are they doing it in Saudi Arabia? Why not in uh, Why not in England? I asked Callum Smith last week, and he's got no clue either. 
<laughs> that doesn't make no sense. But it's a good fight, first of all. Um, Callum Smith is a big, tall, strong, super middleweight, and George Groves has a ton of experience, ton of boxing ability. Um, you know, if, if George Groves' uh, shoulder is, is healthy, I think uh, I have to favor him, man. He's, he's a pretty brilliant boxer that got a great jab and got a little pop to him as well. Um, I don't know too much about Callum Smith. I, I watched his fight uh, against that uh, that replacement for Bramer. Um, I don't know what his name was, but he was like a kickboxer or something. Yeah, and he didn't uh, he didn't look too great against him. But uh, um, I think any he's gonna uh, present anybody with the problems at once he because he's so big, you know. But uh, I I I, uh, I favor Groves for sure. Yeah, I think the general public kind of think that Groves is the favorite if he's, if he's healthy, if, healthy. If, if he's healthy if yeah. he's healthy yeah. that's a big if yeah I mean yeah I mean Callum Smith Callum Smith's not really to be slept on at all I know that you're not you're not sleeping on him but he's um no I, know, I just don't I yeah I just don't I just don't know that much about him so yeah uh, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah because I know that he was preparing for a southpaw like for the whole camp in Bremer and then yeah it, yeah it all changes yeah. with four days to go but um I yeah, ask that you, can Caleb, be tough what? that's happened to me a couple of times and that's no joke man that can be tough yeah, for sure. I want to ask you, Caleb, what do you get up to in your spare time? Because going by your social media, you seem to live a pretty cool life outside of boxing. Obviously, I know that you uh, you enjoy playing golf. Um, you're on the way to, to play golf as we speak now. I, I know that you do a little bit of gardening. I saw you uh, dug up some vegetables <laughs> recently. And also, I saw that you've got your own your own beer can cooler things that look really cool as well. <laughs> Yeah, man, I uh, I kind of uh, uh, I'm all across the board when it comes to uh, hobbies, man. I uh, like to keep myself busy, and, and right now I'm just uh, pulling up to a, a charity golf tournament that raises money to support uh, groups called Teed Up for the Troops. They uh, raise money to um, support people's families that are uh, overseas and stuff like that, uh, fighting in the military, and uh, do some golfing, uh, some gardening. Just started this year for the first time since I was a little kid, and uh, growing some vegetables in my yard. Uh, love drinking uh, craft beer. One one of my sponsors is Luplin Brewery, a, a beer, and uh, yeah, man, I'm just all over the place. Oh, I love, I love fishing. That's my that's my main hobby. Fishing, uh, bass fishing is my main thing to do. Excellent, man. It's really cool, man. Really cool. Now, I just wanted to, just before I let you go, the last thing I wanted to give you an opportunity just to send out a message to your UK supporters who I know still have a lot, a lot of love for you. Oh yeah, man! Uh, thank you so much for following me. All the love on social media you guys give me—it's um, been a blast. Uh, kind of get to know you and, and uh, speak with you guys on uh, via Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. And thanks so much for the support. And I really, really hope I can uh, make it back to uh, the UK and, and have a fight back there someday, man. It was—it was such a pleasure to, to be over there and uh, you know fight in front of the, the fans at uh, I think it was the Copper Box Arena, and then uh, kind of hang out for the next couple of days and, and drink some pints with you guys at the. Uh, at the pubs afterwards <laughs> okay listen Caleb it's always my pleasure sir it truly is best of luck for the 24th and we'll certainly catch up sometime afterwards my friend alright thanks George okay now it's time for part 2 on this week's show but firstly just before we dive into the previewing it is time for the news I have take it away Lewis Ritson will return in the ring on October the 13th yes that to be happening in his hometown of Newcastle um, I think they've they've announced a few fights on the undercard already, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, no opponent set for him just yet. Um, hopefully, it's going to be a bit of a step up from the British level. Obviously, he's won the title outright now, so um, I'd like to see him push on a little bit. Obviously, he's still so young, but um, yeah, a brilliant fighter, and I'm looking forward to that one for sure. Right, um, George Joyce has announced that um, he has teamed up with Al Heyman. Yeah, um, a move that has really kind of took the boxing world by surprise, not just the fans, also the media. Um, I didn't really see this coming. A lot of people are asking, is David Hay still involved? To my understanding, he is still involved because Al Heyman is obviously an advisor, not a promoter. It is kind of weird and it is kind of confusing and it is quite mysterious, but that is the way it is. So, for example, Eddie Hearn is trying to sign all these big American fighters, and loads and loads and loads of them are advised by Al Heyman, and that doesn't put a barrier in the way for Eddie Hearn to actually promote these guys. People that are actually being promoted by people like Top Rank and the rest of them, Eddie Hearn can't approach them because they're in a promotional contract, but Al Heyman, he's an advisor, so, you know, if, if his fighters don't have a promoter, Eddie Hearn can actually go there and deal with them, whether, 
you know, whether Al Heyman believes that's the right thing or not. I think he's got enough money to, you know, to stop Eddie Hearn getting his claws on some of his fighters, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, Al Heyman getting involved with Joe Joyce, it seems like it's kind of too early to to say if it's the right move or not. Obviously, he's training out in the States in Big Bear with Abel Sanchez. He did say that he'll be announcing something soon. I think he'll be fighting in the States. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of people like to forget that he's not just promoted by David Hay. He's also promoted by Richard Schaefer, who, you know, he resides in the United States, ring star promotions, obviously. So, um, you know, I think it'll probably be easy for him to be fighting out there and it looks like he'll be doing that for the foreseeable future it's a shame really because I enjoyed going to all of Joe's fights over here hopefully he does still fight in the UK but for the you know for the for the next few fights it's looking like he's going to probably be out in the states but yeah I don't think he's broke off with Haymaker Ringstar or anything like that we'll have to wait and see at the moment we're all just guessing but um yeah I don't think I don't think you know, it's, it's much of a problem. I think David Hay will still be involved. And like I say, Richard Schaefer will add him to those those big bills in the US. And um, it's not far for Richard Schaefer to be there ringside, obviously. Like I say, he lives in America. So, yeah, um, good move, I guess, for Joe Joyce in terms of building his profile, going out there and fighting in a different country and a different state and a different continent and all the rest of it, a different audience. And, I, you know, I can carry on with the list. But, um, yeah, it's all about the big fights for Joe Joyce. And if he believes that Al Heyman can deliver that for him, then it should be very interesting. So, yeah, I'm excited for that one. All the very best to Joe Joyce. Yep. And finally, Kubrat Prulev has announced that his IBF final eliminator against Hirufi will be staged in Sofia on October 27th. Yeah, I think we always kind of thought that Huey Fury would have to travel um, this whole thing with Dillian White, he was supposed to be taking on Kubrat Pulev, and it looked like, I think, they had a little bit too much money, um, and it kind of surprised Eddie Hearn and the rest of it, and then the fight didn't end up happening, because it was definitely going to be taking place in Bulgaria. So, whoever Kubrat Pulev's promoter is, I forgot momentarily, um, it seems like he's investing a lot in his fighter, and why not? I think Pulev's a brilliant fighter, but yeah, Huey Fury's going to be travelling, he's going to be on the road in the backyard of Kubrat Pulev, a very, very hard fight, and um, it's a must-win fight, really, for Huey Fury if he's got world title ambitions at this stage, but he is a traveller, so hopefully he travels well and he comes back with the W. Is that it for the news, Ayaz, yeah? Yes, that's it for the news. Okay, thank you very much. Ayaz, moving over now to the preview in. We're going to start in the Grand Casino in Hinkley, Minnesota, USA. One fight or two fights to mention on this bill, really. I think it's just the one. Yes, the son of the former heavyweight world champion, Hassim Rackman. His son, Hassim Rackman Jr., 5-0. and He gets in the ring against Raymond Ocheng, who's 26-21 and with three draws. Hassim Rekman Jr. is the guy that I told a story about when his opponent got in the ring. And then before the referee announced both guys, he made up a bit of a weird excuse. And then he got out of the ring. And then he decided that he didn't fancy it. And he, you know, he packed up his stuff, took his, his boxing kit off put his, his tracksuit bottoms over his shorts, jumped in his car and left, which was very bizarre. Um, Hassim Rackman Jr., 5-0 and with four knockouts, but he takes on a guy here who, like I say, he's got 21 um, losses, 16 by knockout, so I'd probably predict a knockout win here. Um, but the one thing about Ocheng, he can bang himself. He's got 21 knockouts from 26 wins, so... Um, yeah, all the very best to Hassim Rackman Jr., a friend of the show. Moving over now, though, to the big one at Windsor Park, Belfast, Northern Ireland, United Kingdom. As it's going to be shown on BT Sport. It's annoying the Box Nation customers. I'm actually going to have to go to somebody's house to watch this one, unfortunately. Let's start with the undercard, though. There's a few fights on the undercard that are quite juicy. Comrade Cummins, 13-2 and with one draw. His opponent yet to be announced. Marco McCulloch, 19-4. and His opponent yet to be announced. Announced. Lewis Crocker 6-0, his opponent yet to be announced. Steve Collins Jr. 12-1 with one draw. He takes on Stephen Ward, who's 7-0. That's a brilliant, brilliant fight there, by the way. Luke Keeler gets out again. His record 14-2 with one draw. Real good fighter, Luke Keeler. He very much impressed me last time out. 
Um, like I say, he's in a 10-rounder, but no opponent as of yet. Tyson Fury, I as the return of the Gypsy King once again. It's not Sefer It is Francesco Pianetta, who has a record of 35-4 and with one draw in 40 fights. Obviously, Tyson Fury, 26-0. and um, Pianetta's got a bit of a story. It's a 10-round fight, this one, by the way. But Pianetta, a former cancer patient he got over the cancer he beat it and he ended up challenging for the heavyweight world titles once upon a time against vladimir klitschko very very cool story he's a well he's an italian by way of germany or vice versa and um it's a step up from Sefer Sefriyaz, but I'm not quite sure that Pianetta's got enough to trouble Fury. Of his four losses, he's been knocked out three times. But like I say, a very a very good version of Vladimir Klitschko got him out in six rounds. Um, if, if, if Tyson Fury can do it quicker than that, then that would be quite a statement. Shagayev did manage to get him out in one round back in 2015. That was a real, a real impressive win there from Shagayev. But most recently, he's coming off a loss against Peter Milan who's 11 and 0 he's actually a prospect um that was on points over 10 rounds and then before that a bit of a shock loss here to Kevin Johnson we know about him fighting Daniel Dubois in a matter of weeks i believe or months now uh, that was a bit of a shock that was in October of last year Kevin Johnson knocked him out in 7 rounds that's not very encouraging but it's a step in the right direction, I as, and the most important thing is that we've got the Gypsy King in the ring again. We're all waiting for him to, you know, get back and find his form. And this is just another fight, um, or another step, I should say, in that right direction. Yes, that's one hundred percent true. I mean, it's a good stepping. I mean, it's another stepping stone fight for Tyson Fury. Obviously, getting that ring rust off after being out for such a long time. I reckon Fury's going to knock him out. I reckon Fury's going to stop him. But it's going to be a heavyweight madness that night because there's two fighters that's going to be there. Deontay Wilder is going to be at the fight, and there's none other. There's there's one other person, and that's Shannon the Cannon Briggs, who's also going to be at the fight. So there's going to be a bit of a heavyweight madness on that night. Obviously, you got Fury. Um, should Fury win? They, he said that he's fighting Deontay Wilder in Vegas next, and Shannon Briggs is going to be in the in the ring. Shannon Briggs is going to be at the fight. So there's something something's crazy is going to happen that night with all the all three of the heavyweights there. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy for Tyson Fury and Pianetta to fight, and then perhaps we can throw Shannon Briggs and Wilder in on the undercard. That'd be fun. But no, in all seriousness, Shannon Briggs, <laughs> he makes us all laugh. Um, you know, uh, a, a real character, to say the least. Deontay Wilder doing the commentary. It seems very promising, this thing, this whole thing between um, Fury and Wilder. It really does look like a deal could be happening. Um, very interesting from from Wilder to come and commentate. Obviously, he didn't want to come and commentate on Joshua's fight against Parker on the 31st of March. People forget that. There was all question marks about him coming over. Then he didn't want to come over. Uh, you know, you can take of that what you will. Some people will say, oh, well, you know, it's Deontay Wilder's fault that the fight's not happening between him and Joshua. He doesn't want it. And then you've got another, you know, another load of people that believe it's Eddie Hearn's fault. Nobody really knows, but... Um, yeah, he's coming over to do the commentary. That's a hundred percent happening. So it'd be very interesting, and I'm looking to—I mean, I'm looking forward to see what he says. Hopefully, he doesn't get in the ring and start trying to go after Fury like Fury did to him a few years ago when he ripped off his waistcoat <laughs> and threw his weight around in that ring. Um, yeah, we've gone to the prediction league on this. Iaz Tyson Fury by knockout, ninety-three percent of the voters. 3% going with Fury on points and a very brave 4% going with Pianetta on points. I must say, Iaz, I don't think Tyson Fury will get him out of there early. I think it's late. I think they've chose this guy to probably carry him a few rounds, even though he got stopped in one by Shagayev. I don't see Fury doing it early. I really don't. Um, I could be completely wrong. How do you see it? Fury's going to knock him out, but I reckon it's going to be between four and five rounds. Between four or five, so still quite early. I mean, that's fine. We're only going to talk about the actual method. So, you you know, you're going with a knockout. I'll go with a knockout. I think it's probably a little bit later than that. I'd even perhaps say about round eight, round nine. Um, and the listeners, I mean, they've gone, like I say, with a Fury knockout. So we're all going with Fury by knockout there. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's really it on that fight. I'm looking forward to seeing him back in the ring. Hopefully he doesn't try and kiss him in the ring or anything like that. I want to see real boxing stuff from Fury. Um, you know, hopefully he shook off the nerves and he will be back to his best. Um, 
let's not overlook him, by the way, because it's, it's, it's a real step up from Sefer Sefri, I believe. And obviously, the, the height difference isn't that drastic. This is a six foot five um, Southpaw heavyweight, by the way, we should mention in Mr. Pianetta. Um, that's it for that one. Moving up the bill, Christopher Rosales, I has 27 and 3. Former opponent of Cal Yafai, where he lost. Former opponent of Andrew Selby, where he put him down in the first round and then went on to lose pretty much everything from there. He lost on points, is what I'm saying, um, twice of his three losses on British soil. Like I say, one to Cal Yafai, one to, to Andrew Selby. And then after that, he went on the road to Japan and he knocked out the undefeated Daigo Higa and took his belt. He's now the WBC World Flyweight Champion and he brings his belt to Belfast and defends it against the hometown hero, Mr. Paddy Barnes, 5-0, and undefeated as a professional IAS. Only one knockout, though, on Barnes's resume. Not the biggest puncher, but a real solid amateur. He's got that pedigree. That's something that Rosales doesn't have but of course Rosales has the professional experience over Paddy Barnes. Rosales as well very tough guy like I say of his three losses he's never been stopped and um, you know he had Selby on the deck in the very first round which was very shocking so he carries a bit of power like I say when he's took on um, the, the top guys like I say Daigo Higa, he knocked him out in his backyard in Japan. He likes to get on the road, this kid. And he's only young, he's only 23, so there's quite a quite a gap in the age here. Um, Paddy Barnes, obviously, the much more mature man in that ring. Um, it's a very hard fight to pick, in my opinion, I as, because the bookies favour Christopher Rosales massively. But I just think that Paddy Barnes, with his boxing skill, will will quite comfortably outbox him, especially the fact that it's in his backyard. I think Paddy Barnes, to win on points, is about 3-1 to one in the bookies, and that is very, very, very tempting for me. Um, yeah, we've gone to the prediction leagues on it. I'm going to go with Paddy Barnes on points, and I could, be, I could be looking like a real fool, but for me, that's how I think it goes. The listeners are going with Rosales by knockout. 33% have gone with that. Um, 25 with Barnes by knockout. I'm not quite sure that I can see that happening. This guy's a real tough South American Nicaraguan fighter. And then 21% for Barnes on points and 21% for Rosales on points also. Very tough fight, Ayaz. How do you see it? Um, it's a tough, very fight. Obviously, he's fight. He's coming in again to another British sword, but he's coming in to fight um, Paddy Barnes. Obviously, Paddy Barnes, is a, um, he's, he's fought in the Olympics. He's got a very good amateur background. He's fought, he's fought five times. Um, I'm tell you what, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna agree with you. I think I'm gonna go with a Paddy Barnes points win. I I tell you what. First of all, is this homecoming? Obviously, um, we've seen um, his opponent, uh, Paddy Barnes' opponent, being beat on British soil already, and obviously, um, with the crowd cheering Paddy Barnes on, it's gonna motivate him for more. So I think I'm I'm gonna go with Paddy Barnes to win. Uh, I'm gonna go with Paddy Barnes to win on points. Or yeah. actually, I'm gonna go one step higher. I think he's gonna knock him out. Wow, okay. Well, that's a statement. I wouldn't say that Paddy Barnes has not got the the ability to do that. I don't think it would be like a one-punch knockout, but I think he could perhaps overwhelm him and really put the pressure on. But yeah, you're right, Ayers. You know, this guy, two of his losses have been on British soil before, so... When he comes over here, he doesn't he doesn't seem to win. Um, when you look at you know you look at his past, but yeah, he's you know he's lost to Cal Yafai, he's lost to Andrew Selby, two quality amateurs, and Paddy Barnes is another real quality amateur that's um, that's just turned over, still undefeated, but a real a real huge step up as well for Paddy Barnes. And top of the bill, Ayers. Carl Frampton, 25-1, and one, puts his interim WBO World Featherweight title on the line against Luke Jackson, 16-0, and 0, the undefeated Olympian from Australia. Um, what I've heard about this guy, he's actually, you know, he was a real good amateur, obviously undefeated as, as a professional, and he's certainly not someone to overlook. A lot of people saying that it's going to be an easy fight for Carl Frampton, a lot of people eyeing up, you know, bigger fights down the line, but it's a real... Um, it's a real hard fight. I mean, obviously, I'm not I'm not sitting here and saying that Jackson's going to win. I just don't think that we should all take it for granted that he's going to absolutely be outclassed. Because, like I say, you know, an ex Alex Olympian that's turned pro and he, he's very very hungry. This is his opportunity to really go into the big time. And if he wins this fight, then boy oh boy, his career really could be something. So he's coming with a lot of drive, a lot of motivation, and he's really really up for it. He truly is. So um, for me, it's a, it's a tougher fight that than, than most people think it's going to be, in my opinion. 
Um, I think Carl Frampton on points. I don't think he's going to stop this guy, even though when you look at this guy's record and you actually look at who he's beaten as a pro, he's got a a really, really, really padded record. It's really bad. I'm not saying he's not a good fighter or anything like that, but the guys he's fought, I mean, the best win, the best, the best win on his resume is guys that I've never even heard of, and I'm looking at records with like 27 wins, 11 losses. Like that's that's probably the best win on there, if my memory serves me right. He really hasn't took on anybody of note as a pro, so it's a huge step up for him. Um, I think Carl Frampton wins, but I think he wins on points. Eyes, how do you see it? I personally think Frampton's going to win on points. I tell you what, um, obviously Frampton's a bigger fighter. Frampton's a, Frampton is a bigger name fighter. Um, obviously, it's in his hometown again, and it was his dream to fight in Windsor Park. Obviously, the uh, Luke Jackson's the 2012 Olympian. Um, I haven't I haven't really heard much about him. Obviously, should Frampton win this fight, he's going to go on to fight Oscar Valdez or Josh Warrington. But if I'm going to go with a win, I'm going to go with a win with Frampton on points. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree, like I say. And the listeners, very, very confident with Frampton winning. I don't blame them on that. But they've gone 61% with Frampton by knockout. So that is what they're going with. Also, 32% Frampton on points, 3% Jackson on points, and 4% Jackson by KO. So very little chance our listeners give the travelling Aussie. Um, yeah, that's that's really it for that one. Moving over now to the Westin Bonaventure Hotel. This is in Los Angeles, California, USA. One fight to mention on this bill here, I. It's a very interesting fight. Batur Akhmedov, who I've never heard of. He's 4-0. He's actually the WBA Intercontinental Super Lightweight Champion. I'm guessing to hold that belt so early on, he must have been quite a good amateur to be, you know, to be pushed on really that quickly. And he takes on Ishmael Barroso, who's 20-2 and two with two draws. That's a huge, huge step up in class. Obviously, Barroso, we've seen over here, we've seen him get stopped by Anthony Crawler in a fight where, um, you know, what was a brilliant, brilliant fight, let's be completely honest, but he absolutely steamrolled Kevin Mitchell, and then he's actually coming off a loss against a guy called Issa Shaniev, that was in May of this year, so he's hit a little bit of a sticky patch since that crawler loss, and you know, he's he's still a danger man, 20 wins, 19 by knockout, 2 losses, 2 draws like I say, and um, this guy here, let me just look at him, 4-0 with 3 knockouts, I'm pretty sure he was an Olympian, let me just check that, um, yes, he was an Olympian. He fought in the 2016 Olympics. Um, he represented Turkey and he lost in the quarterfinals, actually. So, uh, yeah, that is, that is, that is interesting. So this guy is, is quite a good fighter. He's also a southpaw. Um, yeah, interesting stuff there. Good luck to Ishmael Barroso. Tough, tough guy. And if he loses this, Akhmadov must be something special to only... To only have four fights and take on Barroso, you've got to have some balls there. And now moving over to the Maryland Live Casino in Maryland, you've guessed it, USA. One fight to mention, or two fights actually, on this bill. We have Demond Nicholson, 18-3 and three with one draw. That's the guy that blatantly quit against Jesse Hart. He's in a 10-rounder against Isaac Rodriguez, who's 25-2. and two. This one's for the WBC United States Super Middleweight title. Also on the bill. And this is really groundbreaking, actually. We have Michael Fox, 17-0. and 0. He's the guy that is a super lightweight, 140, but he's actually six foot three and a half, or something crazy like that. We will be speaking to him later on in the show. Um, he has a record, like I say, of 17-0. and 0. It's a 10-rounder against former world champion Demarcus Chop Chop Corley, who's now 51-31 and 31 with one draw. Now, the bizarre thing here is Michael Fox is 22 years of age. He's taken on a man that is double his age, who's 44. And unbelievably, Demarcus Corley has got three times the wins that Michael Fox has got. He's got 51, Michael Fox has got 17. So a huge, huge, huge step up here for Michael Fox. It really, really is. But if he's the real deal, then he should beat Demarcus Corley at this point in his career. All the very best, though, to both men there. That's a 10-rounder. And the final bill to mention, there's a couple good fights on the undercard. It's happening at the Ocean Resort Casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey, USA. It's going to be shown on ESPN. We have... 
Alexander Teslenko, 13-0. He takes on Avery Gibson, 9-6 with four draws. That's an eight-rounder there. I'd like to see Teslenko stepped up, actually. Uh, we also have Shakur Stevenson, 7-0. He takes on Carlos Ruiz, who's 16-4 with two draws. Jason Sosa gets in the ring again, a friend of the show, 20-3 with four draws. Obviously, the man that beat Stephen Smith, the man that lost to Lomachenko. He takes on Ronaldo Blanco, who's 14-4. That's an eight-rounder there. Jesse Hart, 24-1, takes on Mike Govronsky, who's 24-2 with one draw. Like I say, Jesse Hart, he made Damond Nicholson quit, and he also came up short, very unluckily, against um, against Gilberto Ramirez for the WBO Super Middleweight World title. Jesse Hart, a, a real good fighter from Philadelphia. But the main event here, Brian B.Y. Jennings, 23-2, takes on Alexander Dimitrenko, 41-3. Should be a decent fight. Dimitrenko, I don't rate him too much. He kind of wanted a you know a way out of that Joseph Parker fight when he lost most recently to Parker. I think it was in the second or third round, I believe. And um, you know, BY Jennings should really be beating this guy quite easily. Um Dimitrenko, I think at this stage in his career, he doesn't offer too much. I think his record's a li- well, very padded actually. And um, Brian Jennings, two losses, came to two of the best fighters in the sport. So, you know, no no shame in that. Brian Jennings, I reckon, wins this one. And he needs to get a big fight after that because he's worked very, very hard for it. That's a 12-round contest there. No belt on the line, though, for that one. But that's really it for the preview in. We've now brought you the review in. The first guest, the news, the preview in. And the last thing to do just before we wrap up the show and end part two is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated super lightweight prospect, Mr. Michael Fox. Michael, welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure, Michael. It truly is. So first things first, um, you know, whenever you've got a fight lined up, I always mention it to my listeners. And whenever you fall, I always mention the result to my listeners. One of the things that stands out about you, of course, is the fact that you stand at six foot three and a half and somehow you manage to make 140. Explain how it's possible, Michael. Oh <laughs> uh, Well, you know, man, you just have a good system. You know, you, of course, I put in hard work, but, you know, eating, the biggest thing is what you're eating and... Um, and one of the major things is I'm never out of the gym for too long. Like some people fight and they'll be gone out the gym for like a month. I might take like a week off and then just, and then just tone down the intensity of my normal training. Cause you do want to have, you do want to feel the difference between a training camp and just, just regular training. So I tone it, I might tone it down, but I'm never just out of the gym. Yeah, for sure, I can imagine. Now, of course, your brother's also a boxer. We we had your brother on the show previously, um, another incredibly tall fighter for his weight. I remember when we spoke to him, um, he was telling me at the time that you were soon possibly going to be moving up in weight, but that was a while ago. You're still making 140. Do you see yourself at this weight for much longer, or were you going to go up and now you've you've changed your mind about that? Uh, well, you know, um, it, the time is going to come where I'm going to have to go up, but I think if the next way that I go up to, I'll be there for a long time. Right now, we're just making sure that my body can 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 compete at that at at a at the welterweight level. You know, um, the pun. Like I've I've fought at welterweight, um, and the guys are the guys are stronger. But my my, my skill my skill set. I'm uh, I've still as you can see I still remain undefeated. But you know you got to give your time your body time to mature properly. So. It will it, it will happen probably, if I had to guess, uh, probably next year sometime. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, of course, you're fighting this Saturday. You're only 22 years of age. Your opponent is double your age. He's 44. That's pretty interesting. But, uh, you know, that happens a lot in boxing when a prospect's fighting a journeyman or something. But this guy, of course, is no journeyman at all. It's the former world champion, Demarcus Chop Chop Corley, a slick southpaw that's mixed it with Floyd Mayweather himself. And another interesting fact is that, of course, as you said, you're still undefeated. 17 wins you've got. And Demarcus Corley's got 51 wins, so three times the amount of wins that you've got. I'm sure that this has to, you know, be the first time this has ever happened in history. Surely it's never happened before. But tell me, though, Michael, what do you know about Chop Chop? Um, you know, I know a lot about Chop Chop. We're both from the same area, the Washington, D.C., uh, Maryland area. So, you know, I grew up, We, we, you know, we grew up, everyone around my age, my brother and I both, 
grew up watching Chop Chop. I actually, one of my earliest uh, memories is um, he fought um, in the area at the Washington, D.C. Convention Center. That was like, I think that was like my second uh, time attending a pro fight. And I believe he was the main event. And and um, Lamont, Peters, Lamont and Anthony Peterson both fought on that undercard. So um, that was a very that's a very memorable that was a that was a, uh, a great like first memory uh, memory from when I start first started boxing. But you know him being a southpaw, you know of course I studied him. I've I've, stu- I've studied him picking up on the things that he that he uh, does maybe trying to imi- maybe trying at some point trying to imitate. But you know be, him fight fighting him now is is gonna. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, to me, it's just business, you know, all the admiration I have for him, that's not going to matter until that final bell, until after that final bell. Yeah, very well said. Cool story there, man, about going to actually see him fight and probably at that point never imagining that, you know, sometime down the line you could end up fighting the guy. Now, like I say, he's twice your age, he's he's got three times your wins, but at least you're twice his height, Michael. <laughs> I'm only playing. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> Obviously that that is that is definitely that is definitely to my advantage. <laughs> Another thing about that fight too, he was um he, he had he had to look at that the act he always went walked out with the axes and everything and then it was funny. He tossed out a pair of socks that read "Chop Shop" on them. They landed in this lady's lap. For some reason, she thought they were dirty, but they were like brand spanking new. So I took them. I trained in them. I fought in them. I lost them. But you know, that was that was that was yeah that 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 was a big that was a fun time in my life. <laughs> that is crazy, man. I mean, how mind blowing would that be if you if you walked out on Saturday wearing those socks? <laughs> Man, cool. that would be crazy. <laughs> and I know the, the announcers that would, would would say something about it, but you know, it wouldn't be. You know, like I said, it wouldn't even be a thing to me. You know, just we're gonna fight, we're gonna handle business, and then afterwards, you know, it's it's back, it's back to that that admiration will come back, and yeah. it'll he'll still be world former world champion, uh, Demarcus Chowchow Coley to me. For sure, for sure. Now. Obviously, like I say, he's the much older guy. Um, I was going to ask you if you'd watched his fights before you signed to fight him. You basically answered that question there. Um, you mentioned there, you know, about his ring walks in the past. He he does like to enter the ring in very um, extravagant circumstances. I know that his last ring walk, he actually got to the ring without touching the floor with any part of his body. You're probably thinking he was on a flying carpet. No, he was actually skating on some weights from the gym. It was it was really bizarre to say the least. Do you ever spice up your own ring walks, Michael, or do you not really care too much about all that stuff? Um, no, I don't really spice them up that much. Um, but you know, of course I try to play some play a you know, play the mute play a song that's popular at the time and whatnot. But um yeah, no, I, I saw his last ring walk he was on uh, the device is called a frog. Uh, it's like fifteen hundred dollars. He he rolled out on that. That was um, that was that was you know it's it's it's, it's entertainment. It's fanfare. You know the fans the fans like like seeing crazy stuff like that. So it works for them. So if it works if it works for them, then why not do it? And I want to ask it, you. It, it gets people excited about the fight. And I want to ask you, Michael, have you have you been able to um, share the ring with with some some you know big name fighters over the years, sparred some some top level guys? If so, who? Oh yeah, I've uh, sparred with um, Lamont and Anthony Peterson. Um, Kermit, I just recently, most recently, sparred with Kermit Centron. Oh wow! Um, we did nine or ten rounds, and then um, I sparred Hammer and Hank Lundy. He is actually he 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 actually. I was four and zero when we when we sparred, and he actually was one. Of, he's actually the only professional fighter that has ever paid me for uh, sparring. So you know he he he's, he's my guy for that. Yeah, he's 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 my guy too. He's been on this show a few times. He's a real top sort of top notch kind of guy. Um, yeah. The World Boxing Super Series is happening at your weight, super lightweight. Are you excited about seeing the tournament unfold? Who do you want to see fight each other? Who do you believe will win it? If you can say at this stage. Um, I think I think um I, I, I'm I'm probably rooting for Regis Progre. I, I like I like the way he I like the way he fights. Um, Exciting, but yeah. yeah, it's so it's so um like it's it's, it's really talented. The the the, the tournament's stacked, so it's it's too. I think it might be a little too early to call it. Yeah, 
I probably agree. Um, and I don't know, you probably haven't seen much footage of him, but a guy from over here, um, Scotland actually, Josh Taylor, he's in the tournament. This guy is is a brilliant, brilliant fighter. I keep saying it to the to the to the American boxers that I speak to. Um, a lot of them don't really know too much about him, but he's he's absolutely brilliant. So watch out for him. Um, like yeah, your... I've seen I've seen some of his stuff on like Sky Sports, a few a few of his highlights. Look, look very, look very sharp. Um, I probably because I follow him on Twitter. I try to stay plugged in as much as I can, but I mean, we are a world apart. Yeah, yeah, I know. I see, I see. Now, now, like your brother, um, you're trained by your father, Trey Fox. What's that like, Michael? Is is being trained by your father very tough? Does he go easier on you or your brother? <laughs> no, no, you know, you know, he doesn't really go easy. Yeah, if you ask a lot, they'll say that I'm the favorite son. <laughs> I'll say yeah, whatever. <laughs> but he, you know. I think, you know, he'll always, no matter what, he'll always be a father. So that will, from time to time, kick in. As much as, I think as much as father coaches say that they're able to separate it, there are times where you may see, where where you, where you, where there, where the dad may kick in. Where the dad, the dad and, the dad in there is still, he's lying dormant, but he's actually there. Like, at the end of the day, my dad doesn't want to see me hurt. But him being a coach, he'll let a little he'll let a little more go because he know he knows we're fighters. But his above all, a man's uh, a man's job to his son is to is to protect him. So can you know guys like Angel Garcia, Kenny Porter, and, as well as Troy Fox, these guys they're going to protect their son if they can't do it themselves. Yeah, for sure. And I want to ask you also. I want to ask you also, Michael. Um, how is your brother getting on? Obviously, you know we spoke to him before his fight with Demetrius Andrade. What's next for him at this stage, if you know anything? Well, um, he had to. Uh, he actually had to get shoulder surgery and surgery for a, a torn ligament in his elbow, and and it ended up, and he ended up had to get. He ended up having to get work on his bicep. So he had since since the, after that fight, he had been recovering. Uh, the doctors pretty much cleared him. He's back. He and he's, he'll be back in the ring September 22nd. You know, in the, back in back, basically back home in uh, in Maryland. So, you know, this is his first fight back. You know, he he wants to um, he wants to, you know of course he wants to look impressive. Um, he's all he seems all he seems all healed up. He's running all his miles. He's back to punching. He's sparring a lot of rounds. So, I'm pretty sure he's back to good health. September 22nd, uh, Alante is Fox returns. Excellent, man. Excellent, excellent. Now, um, you, you and your brother are both with different promoters, right? Is that is that is that is that right? Yes, that's correct. He is with um the Bella Entertainment, and um I'm with King's Promotion, uh, with Marshall Kaufman. Yeah, and I want to ask you because um on this on this podcast we like to joke around about some of the funniest named boxers in boxing, and you know there's lots and lots of funny names out there, but one of them is actually signed to King's Promotions. I'm guessing you probably know who I'm talking about. Uh, no, no, no. Let me hit, tell me one time. There's a guy, and I'd never say this to his face because he's a heavyweight, but there's an undefeated fighter out there called Michael Polite Coffee. And that is a, that's a brilliant name. I mean, whenever somebody wants a coffee, they never want a rude coffee. They always want a polite coffee. In my in my experience, yeah, always, I, I know good. exactly. I actually know exactly who he is. We from the same car. Um, I didn't. I didn't. I never knew his nickname was polite though. That, that's a, that's a very nickname. interesting name to be a fighter. I don't even think it's his nickname. Oh. I think it's his middle name. Oh, that's his middle name. I believe so. Oh well, hey, I mean that that's an interesting name for a fighter. There's nothing polite about what we do. So you know. <laughs> So uh, yeah, shout out to Michael Polite Coffee. But um, I like to ask this question to everybody that we speak to from overseas, Michael. Um, I, you know, I know that you're only 22. I don't know what your what your knowledge is on UK boxing, but who is your favourite UK fighter if you do have one? It doesn't have to be a guy that's still fighting now. It can be though. It can be somebody that's retired years and years ago. It's completely up to you. Who's your favourite UK fighter? Who comes to mind when I ask you that? Uh, favorite UK fighter? I mean, um, I'm currently, you know, Anthony Joshua. Like, I, I definitely enjoy watching him fight. Um, of of um, back in the day would probably be uh, maybe I mean, Chris, Chris Eubank. Well, no, no, no. Nigel Ben. Yeah, y'all got some sharp guys. I would say Chris Eubank, Nigel Ben. I like it. I, I've watched. I've watched old taste of them. So um, yeah, we can call them. We can call those three guys uh, some some UK favorites. Yeah, those guys. Uh, of mine. 
yeah, those guys certainly uh, favourites of most people. To be completely honest, good fighters there. Yeah, I like I like Tony. I like Tony Bellew too. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, like I say, a few years ago, um, not many people really knew who he was. But lately, he's just, I mean, he's been doing things that, that no one gave him a chance of doing. And uh, keeps proving everybody wrong time and time again. So, certainly, uh, you know, emerged into quite a, quite a great fighter over the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. He's done it. Like, like um, you're, to, to, be, to be honest, I didn't know. I feel bad for saying it, but I didn't know who he was before the movie Creed. <laughs> but then I watched him. I'm like, this dude, this dude got this, this dude got scratched. Then I watched him fight David Hay. I'm like, hey, he can box. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's he, a lot of people would probably probably would say the same thing. I mean, that that movie really, you know, made him into quite a famous guy. Um, finally, finally, Mike, just before just before I let you go, where can people follow you? I know that you you're on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Professor Mike. Have I got that right? Yes, yeah, that's exactly where you follow me. Twitter and Instagram, Professor Mike. And you know, I'm always I'm always on there talking boxing, giving updates on my camps and all that. And it is Professor and the way you've spelt Mike is M Y K E. That's right, yeah? That is that is correct. That is correct. Okay, Professor Mike, M Y K E, just for the fans if they want to follow that that journey that is looking ever promising. But listen, Michael, it's been my pleasure having you on this show. It really, really is. Um I want to wish you the absolute best of luck for Saturday and we'll certainly catch up sometime afterwards, I'm sure. Oh yeah, thanks for having me. Please yeah, please give just give me a call. Okay, and this wraps up episode 148 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. Firstly, I'd like to apologize for the echoing on the interview with Caleb Truax. It's the second time that it's actually happened with Caleb Truax, so I'm not quite sure what the problem is. I'm not quite sure if it was our fault or not, but regardless of all that, I'd like to just apologize for that there. Of course, a massive shout-out to our two guests on this week's show, Michael Fox and Caleb Truax. One of them used to play as his future opponent in a video game when he was a kid. The other, when he was a kid, used to wear his future opponent's socks. It can only happen in boxing. It really is the best sport in the whole wide world. Once again, I'd like to thank our listeners. I'd like to thank you all from the bottom of our hearts just for being the absolute best bunch of listeners that we could ever ask for. Best of luck on the Prediction League this week, people. Enjoy your weekends, and we'll catch you all again in seven days' time.